The first cell phone was demonstrated in 1973 by Martin Cooper. You know what wasn't demonstrated? Shared plans. Over 50 years later, you can save on one line thanks to Visible. When you switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible, you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees. No, really. You can look around for them. They're not there. Switch now at Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Beyond. Beyond. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm editor of IGN PlayStation, and for some reason I'm in the hosting chair. <laughs> I'm with Andrew Goldfarb. He's IGN's news editor. Hi, Colin. Goldfarb, thank you for joining me. Now, you know, a few weeks ago, <clears> or maybe a month ago, or maybe even more than that, we had some sad news when Ryan Clements, um, you know, left us. Uh, he's working now at Deep Silver, a uh, pretty prominent publisher. And Clements and I used to do something that was pretty special, Goldfarb. We used to do this thing called the Fireside Chats. It was inspired by FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. I don't really know why, because he had nothing to do with video games. Uh, <laughs> but it was something we used to do when Greg wasn't around and we couldn't record the podcast. And so uh, we used to just kind of talk. And this is the Fireside Chats 4. And instead of comments joining me today, it's going to be Andrew Goldfarb. Now, Goldfarb, uh, Greg is sick. He sounded terrible. He sounds like shit. He sounds like a, like a villain in a bad movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's, uh, you know, he's out of commission. Mm-hmm. So he's left us two chuckleheads to record podcast beyond. We're already a day late. It's Wednesday, April third. I think. I think we're supposed to go on the second, but too bad. This is episode two hundred and eighty-seven. So we are thirteen away from three hundred. Oh my god! The, the the wheels are in motion to plan episode three hundred, and we hope to have more information uh, on that. More specific information, more specific even than the information we gave you a couple of weeks ago when Greg returns from his illness sabbatical. Let's call it. Mm-hmm. So Goldfarb. Before we get into the Fireside Chats, let's do quickly the Roper Report uh, and the uh, PlayStation Store update, whatever. Okay. So let's do the Roper Report first. Okay. <laughs> There's no one to say anything. Yeah, I was waiting for you to do this it. Is a, this is doing? a Bush League version of the Roper Report. <laughs> there are only seven items. We'll go quickly through them so we can okay. get to the reader questions. By the way, I solicited mm-hmm. a bunch of reader questions on Twitter, so they're going to be in 140 characters or less. Oh my god, looks like you have quite a few. There's a lot. A lot of them. Okay. Uh, so number one, sad news first. Layoffs have hit High Moon Studios, the guys behind Deadpool, which isn't even out yet, and Transformers Fall of Cybertron, and LucasArts, this historic studio behind a humongous amount of games. Our best goes out to all those affected. For sure. Uh, is there any new information about what's going on with uh, Lucasfilm, or LucasArts, rather, in particular? Um, the studio itself, no. I mean, uh, Kotaku heard that 150 people were laid off, um, which appears to mean that their entire like studio was closed, basically. Um yeah, they, they said they're ceasing internal development and moving to licensed games. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, 1313 and uh, that XBLA game that's been rumored for a very long time, First Assault, um, are effectively canceled from what we understand. I mean, the official messaging is that somebody else could take over 1313, but I, I feel like that'll never happen. Okay. Um, that is sad. LucasArts has uh, been around forever. Made yeah. more prolific games, not recently, but back in the day than, uh, than we could possibly uh, do, do justice to here on Podcast Beyond, but... Uh, very sad news. Sad about High Moon Studios too. It's sad. That game hasn't even come out yet, so yeah, uh, I'm not sure if expectations are just low for that game or what. But um, you know, it is that time of year, I guess, too, where some some layoffs are happening. It's and, the end of the fiscal year, yeah. yeah. So it's it's very sad. Yep. Uh, number two, this is exciting news. Uh, new Square Enix president Yosuke Matsuda is planning on conducting a thorough review of the company as part of his new role. He plans on quote reviewing all Square Enix duties, business. Is it businesses or business? It said business in the, in the story. And assets on a zero-based budgeting standpoint, ellipsis, due to the radical change of environment, end quote, that has seen Square Enix hurting financially. Uh, this is good news. Uh, by uh, zero-based budgeting standpoint, I assume he means everything's reduced to zero in terms of the money it's going to get, and then they're going to have to prove their worth to the company. So this hopefully means that they stop with their bullshit yep. and start making <laughs> good games again. Well, yeah, what I were mean, your thoughts? This could be 
a very good thing for Square Enix. I mean, I think uh, for we've been saying it forever. I mean, you and Ryan have, have probably literally said 25 times on this podcast that what they need to do is step back and look at their business and evaluate what they're doing. And so, like, the fact that they're officially doing that is very exciting. And, I mean, he doesn't even take over until June. So, um, you know, they're in this weird uh, transition period right now. But, yeah, I mean, this could be so, so good for Square if they if they actually, like... And, I mean, who knows? Maybe Maybe nothing will change. But... If they step back and they're like, you know what, like, this is stupid. We don't need to be focused on this. We need to just remake Final Fantasy VII or whatever it is. You know, something that's going to make them money, that would be exciting to me. Yeah, I'd love for two things. First, for them to make another Final Fantasy Tactics game, a real tactics Mm. game. The ones on GBA and DS were good, good, really good games. But I want something like War of the Lions. Um, Sprite-based would be really cool. Keep it cheap. Make it 20 bucks. Make it episodic or have, like, downloadable campaigns and downloadable side quests and stuff like that. That's, see, that's, that's smart thinking, Goldfarb. But also what I'd like to see them do is for Final Fantasy XV uh, to be an old-school-based RPG. Wouldn't it be cool if they, not necessarily graphically, but maybe graphically, they really just went back to the essence of what Final Fantasy games used to be. Text-based stories, lots of interesting characters, enough with the beautiful graphics and the emphasis on garbage. Um, it would be really cool for them to, uh, to do something, uh, I think, unique like that by going back to what made them great in the beginning. I agree. Um, and I think that would make them a lot of money. And it would keep production costs down because one of the things that really frustrated me about what was going on with them specifically was they seem to have unrealistic, unrealistic expectations as to how their games are supposed to be performing. Because Tomb Raider, which it wasn't even out in a, a month by the time they announced that it, it sold almost 4 million units and it wasn't profitable. Like, I don't understand how that's possible. First of all, Sony would murder <laughs> for a 4 million seller. Yeah. Uh, Little Big Planet Two didn't even sell four million copies. I mean, this is a game. You know, Tomb Raider. I'm sure costs a lot of money to make, but they really need to keep their their stuff in check. And Sleeping Dogs sold almost two million copies, and that wasn't profitable either. Sleeping Dogs, I thought was going to do like two hundred thousand. Yeah, I, I'm amazed that even broke a million. I know. So they should they should be proud of of that game. United Front did a really nice job with Sleeping Dogs. Yeah. Um. So it seems like it's squares. Squ- the issues lay f- squ- squarely on Square. Oh, I get it. Uh, number three. Sony has submitted a trademark application for a game called Destiny of Spirits, which is the fucking worst name ever. Terrible title, yeah. Uh, we have no idea what it is apart from that, and Sony refused to give comment to IGN. Um, it just said it's a video game. In the, in the, I mean, we know it's a game. It also yep. made note that it could be a handheld game, so maybe it's a Vita game. Oh. Maybe, uh, maybe Could be both. Yeah, maybe it's both. Uh, just absolutely awful name. Destiny yeah. of well, Spirits? It'll never happen either. I mean, it's like, look what happened with... Um, the Mojang who made Minecraft tried to make a game called Scrolls. They got sued by Bethesda because the Elder Scrolls um, uh, Telltale has a game based on Fables. The the DC comic Fables couldn't use that title because of Fable. So it's like in the video game space, you can't double up. And Destiny is already coming from Bungie, so they will certainly not use that name but for it's Destiny a of plethora Spirits. of reasons. <laughs> it, what a really bad name! What does that it's, even mean? It's awful. <laughs> Number four, the ESRB has rated a compilation for PS3 called the Best of PlayStation Network Volume One. It reportedly contains Fat Princess, Tokyo Jungle, Sound Shapes, and When Vikings Attack. Uh, three of those games are great. Oh, yeah, that's a when weird, weird Attack, extra, so yeah. No other information, including pricing and release date, has been revealed. Uh, but the ESRB uh, doesn't rate games that are fake. So this sure. game is obviously real. It sounds like a great collection. Weird to call it Best of PlayStation Network, unless this is like a part one. Maybe they're going to do it several It is. It's volume one. Oh, okay. It's volume okay. one. And uh, so I'm sure this is a test, a test bed for them. What's interesting about all these games are all these games are either internally developed or de- helped develop by XDev. Mm-hmm. Um, so these are games Sony owns, uh, has stake in. So they probably want to just make more money. Which... Well, plus they already have that uh, that game company bundle. Um, yeah, so, so this like was in the those... first time they've done yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fat Princess uh, was uh, developed by the guys that did Escape Plan, and that was helped by Santa Monica. Tokyo Jungle was developed at Studio Japan. Sound Shapes was developed at Queasy with the help of uh, Sony Santa Monica. And When Vikings Attack was developed over in Europe with the help of XDev, which used to be at Sony Liverpool. That doesn't exist anymore. Interesting. Number five, uh, GameStop's president, Tony Bartel, has reported a, quote, strong purchase intent for PS4, end quote, including the fact that 900,000 GameStop customers have signed up for early information about the console. Goldfarb, That's what do you think of this? I, Is it just sales speaking? Because these, these guys are going to depend on how much the PS4 sells. You, and it's funny, right? Because today he came out and was like, oh, the new Xbox looks really hot and compelling. Hot and compelling, yeah. <laughs> that mean, was the yeah. CEO, though. That wasn't the president. So they're sending out different faces. At least, so. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they do have to get people pre-ordering, and they have to they have to drum up interest in the industry. So obviously they're not going to say anything. They're not going to be like, oh, PS4 looks terrible, because then no one's going to go to their store crap. and pre-order it. Yeah. But um, at the same time, I mean, like, honestly, based on, like, our audience, like, 
we see a lot of people who who say like i'm not normally into playstation but i'm really excited by ps4 like i think sony did everything right to cater to the audience that's interested in games and, and starving for a new gen so uh yeah i mean i, I wouldn't be surprised if, if pre-orders are really high now the question is once microsoft finally announces does sony's momentum kind of continue or is that going to kind of put that fire out a little bit yeah we'll see i think the xbox is going to quell some of that fire for sure yeah uh number six this is the most exciting news of all Dynasty Warriors 8 has been announced for PS3 and Xbox 360 and will launch on July 12th in Europe and July 16th in North America. They're going to keep on keeping on with that. Yeah, they really are. That crap. It has what-if mode where you can bring, bring people back from the dead. I reviewed one of those <laughs> Dynasty Warriors games uh, and I've played you know several of them. It's just like... Oh. Yep. I can see why people like it. Sure. Um, but I, I kind of can see why people like it. What do they like call it? Mousseau, right? Yeah, isn't it, isn't I that think the so. style of game? Something like it's that. It's like the endless beating the shit out of things <laughs> with no skill really involved kind of gameplay. Yep, that sounds right. But they obviously sell. So, you know, God bless anyone who likes it. Good but here. I wonder if they're, like, just breaking even at this point or if they're really, like, off the charts. I don't know. I don't see why Tecmo Koei would... would because what else do they have? Localize these games. That's true, but it's I mean, like, yeah, I, I mean, it's better to make no money than lose money. Sure, they're just in a weird place right now, which is like Ninja Gaiden and Dead or Alive, and all these games aren't like huge. I don't think anymore. So, like, I I don't know how they're staying afloat right now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, number seven, the final piece of the Roper report. Uh, a few new games have been announced. Terraria is coming to PlayStation Vita. Stealth Bastard is coming to PS3 and Vita. It's going to have a new name though, unfortunately. Uh, Sacred Citadel is coming to PS3, and Five Star Wrestling is coming to PS3. Um, you can find my write-up of the latter. I saw it, uh, at least screenshots of it and talked to the developers. They're in GDC. It's an interesting game. Not very pretty, um, but supposed to be technically uh, pretty down pat. I think wrestling fans might like it. Who the hell knows? I'm excited for Terraria. I, um, yeah, I, seems... I've never played even five seconds of it, but everyone talks about it really positively, and, and what I've seen looks cool. Looks yeah, it fun. seems like it's supposed to, it should be at home on Vita. It's already on PSN yeah. on PS3 right now. Mike Mitchell is playing it. He uh... likes it a lot. Uh, Goldfarb, games are coming out. I'm not going to do Greg's little shtick because that's Greg's shtick. But let's see if you can get it right this time. What's the list called? <clears throat> it's uh, the official list of upcoming PlayStation software on all three platforms by the IGN editors. Perfect. That's perfect. Yes. Well done. On PS3, yeah, there you go. On PS3, Defiance is out. That's also available on PlayStation Network. Our review of that, I think, is in progress. Yeah, Anthony's playing it. Also on PSN, Ion Assault HD is a PSN game. It's cheap. I think it's only two bucks. Um... PS2 Classics, Grand Theft Auto Vice City Stories, and Grand Theft Auto Liberty City Stories. Excellent games. Yeah. Uh, especially on PSP. I had never played the PS2 ports. Uh, demos for Injustice, Gods Among Us, and Terraria on PS3. Um, and that is that. So, Goldfarb. Mm-hmm. Get to the readers. Shall we? Ooh, nice. Thank slam you. dunk. Uh, nope, I don't know what a slam dunk is. No, that's a free throw, more, <laughs> more or less. So, on Twitter, you can follow me on No Taxation. Of course, you can follow Goldfarb at Garfep. Um... We asked, instead of going to the mailbag as we usually do, you can usually and still email us at beyond at IGN.com for the more long-form messages that Greg will have to dig through. But <laughs> I don't have time to do that today, so uh, I asked for Twitter questions. Keep them short, keep them brief, and see what happens here. Now, I'm just going to scroll through them real time. It might take a second. Um, there are a lot. Let's see. It's uh, B- BRK7894 says it's no podcast without Greg. Oh, well. Well, too bad. Well, fuck Cause off. Because here, here it is. <laughs> I love you. Um, I'm kidding. Let's see. Mm, that's an interesting. That's not really. It's a comment, but it's not a question. Mirko Supreme, Andre Jacob says, mm-hmm. "I just bought Demon Souls from PSN this past Friday. How do I ad- avoid getting burned by PS Plus but still support the industry?" Good question. What do you? Th- I mean, it's kind of just random, right? Yeah. I mean, they're not going to be like, "Hey, our game's going to be." Sometimes you know they do warn you ahead of time, about a month ahead of time. Now they never even did that back in the day. Um. But they're not going to be like, hey, in three and a half months, Game X is going to be free, so just don't buy it. Don't, yeah, they're not trying to lose money on it. I mean, honestly, it's like, don't feel like you got burned, right? Like, like that's a great game. The games that are coming to PlayStation Plus are being offered because they're great games in most cases. And so, like, I mean, whatever. At this point, I, I doubt he paid 60 bucks for it by now. So it's, it's I, I would just feel good. I think good. it's like 20 maybe. Yeah, I, I think you're right. So at this point, I would just feel good about supporting the developer and getting a good... I mean, I haven't really played that much Demon's Souls, but people love it. So it's like, I, I think you're doing you're doing okay. Um, Gamer Rich asks a question that I, we can talk about. It's a Bioshock question, a Bioshock Infinite question. Now, I haven't beaten the game yet. I think I'm a little more than halfway through it. We're not going to okay. spoil the game. Okay. But we are going to talk a little bit about the game. So if you don't want to hear anything about Bioshock, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about combat here, but if you don't want to hear anything about it, shut the podcast off now. Um, but we will not well, spoil this question for you. Don't don't shut the podcast off. Just gonna, skip ahead. Skip like, ahead. Well, I don't want I don't want to like you know yeah. for them to kind of scrub a minute ahead. And we're still not. That's true. That's true. But uh, we don't want to ruin the game. We're not going to ruin the plot because yeah. I have I don't even know what that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Richard asked this. 
What do you guys think of the combat in Infinite compared to the first two games? Seems to be a common complaint beyond. beyond. Goldfarb, what are your thoughts? I mean, I love the combat. I really do. I think um, for me, it, it, and I know we, we've talked about this a little bit already, but um, I think like the terrors are brilliant. I think it introduces a really cool element, and I think the skylines are really brilliant. I think um, especially like when you look at your gear, like there's certain loadouts for your character are based upon the style you like to play in. So if, you, if you're really melee-focused, there are all these cool melee things you can do. You can have... Uh, Things where if you use skylines, you can have uh, gear that lets you be invulnerable as you hop on or hop off skylines or that your weapon automatically reloads as soon as you hop onto a skyline. And there's all these cool things that like allow you to do like an infinite number of build outs for your for your character. And so, you know, it's really smart, right? Like I I typically don't other than handyman fights where you need to be mobile i don't use skylines that often during combat but i like that like for a quick escape you can i also like that like during um certain fights like certain vigors are smarter for certain fights and so i have like specific gear loadouts i use for like if i want to use charge i know that like i'm going to switch to kind of a melee focused build for my character but if i'm if i'm staying far away if i'm using a sniper rifle there are other things i'll go with so like i don't know i I like the variety of combat I feel like it's more it's more like a nerdy RPG to me than like original Bioshock was, where you you had your tonics and stuff, but I I don't think you could get quite that specific. Yeah, I mean, I like the combat in the original game better. Um, I just don't think Infinite. I have I have problems with Infinite. Like, I don't think that it's a bad game by any stretch. I think it's a great game. Um, and I think it it tells a story well. I think it's fun. I think it's engaging. I just think that the original is better. Um, and sure. so far. Maybe it changes, but I'm more than halfway through the game, and you start to kind of develop a feeling for the game. doesn't mean it's a bad game. Um, I do like, in turn, I don't like the melee very much in the game. I think the melee, like, with the wrench is much more satisfying in, in Bioshock. Sure. Um, I think the gunplay is marginally better in the original Bioshock. Like, I just, I don't, I'm not crazy about the combat in the game, but I'm not really playing it for the combat, to be honest. So, And I don't yeah. like the skyline stuff. Like, I don't understand why that, like, it's cool. You, that's how you get around. It's very clever. That's how the buildings are connected and stuff, but... It's not doing it for me. Do you um, do you do you when you use a skylander in combat? What do you do? Like do you or do you just not use it at all? Well, I have to use it sometimes, but yeah. I mean, I I it moves too quickly for me to like. Really... You know, you can throttle it with no, the no, I know, though, I know, yeah. but like it, like, and then you're kind of sitting. I'm playing on hard too, so I'm, I'm you know I'm a sitting duck. If I like slow down a little bit, then they're like kind of aiming at me. I try to jump on dudes when I'm on the on the skyline. Sure, stuff, but it's just, there's just. I just, I don't know. There's I know something Greg, about this game, like, where I just don't feel like, I just don't feel like it's as engaging. Sure. Know? I mean, Greg said he found Skyline Combat disorienting. Do you you feel the same way? Yeah, I just don't really think it's necessary. Like, I, I don't, sure. I don't, I just have, you know, even with, like, the handyman and, like, those George Washington robots, or Patriots, or whatever they're called. Motorized Patriots. Yeah. They're, like, <laughs> there's just no big daddy, like, compliment in this game at all. Like, the, the, like I think the handyman looks stupid. Like, I, I, like, I do. I'm like, this is a stupid design. Like, this is just stupid. You know? Um... The George Washington robots are funny, but like I, I don't know. I, don't I love know. We'll, the we'll dialogue. I, I love what the the motorized patriots are saying. Yeah, they're, they're funny. Yeah. it reminds me of Fallout actually. Sure. Yeah, um, I um yeah like I got Mr. the Mr. Handy or what was his name, Mr. Oh Gutsy, yeah, Mr. Gutsy. Yep. Yeah, I got the uh, platinum yesterday in Bioshock. I played 1999 mode, and it, it definitely makes you you have to think about all the avenues available to you, which includes skylines and includes kind of all the different gear. Like you you have to think a little bit more in that mode, but. I mean, whatever. I, I totally respect that. I like. I I love the original Bioshock. I love the combat in that game. I think um, Bioshock Two probably mechanically, I think, is is the height of that style of combat. Like, I, I, that's the one thing I do prefer about Bioshock Two is like the mechanics, the mm-hmm. gameplay. Um, I don't really like the story that much, but uh, yeah. Um, we'll see. We, I, I definitely am very curious to see what you think once you finish Infinite, and we can talk about it. A little yeah, more. yeah. I'll t- I'm going away this weekend or tomorrow. Are you gone all weekend? Those, yeah, until Sunday. So I'm not going to beat it before next week, probably. Okay. Um, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. It's an interesting question. This is an ar- argument Greg and I have about trophies all the time. Okay. Um, Adam Herford says ten platinums are better than a million bronze. Discuss. No, it's the level. You really? So you 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 think it's the level that? I I feel like the level is what's displayed. Like I I think. If if somebody had a million bronze trophies and that put them ahead of you further, like yeah. if that put them at a, a higher level, I think that person edges you out. I don't know. I don't agree. I mean, I I, I like level. Level's good. I'm level. T- I'm almost level twenty three. But platinums are hard to get. Yeah, I, and I have more of them than everyone but in the they, office. They, can, they contribute to your level. Yeah, but if the level was, if we're trying to spike levels, that's easy. Like you could just put in a bunch of games and get like a few bronzes, just do it over and over again, like. 
that's not hard. That's not challenging at all. Like it's challenging to get a platinum. And I used to be with you, and I would, I have a strict no bullshit platinum trophy thing anymore. Which I, you know, the last ten platinums or so I've gotten are like totally legit platinums. Um, and uh, I don't know. There's just something satisfying about getting a platinum. Not all platinums are created equally. I I totally agree with that. Um, I mean, they are statistically, but that's what uh, I remember when Christine. Uh, Steimer got her Persona 4 Golden Platinum. The first thing he tweeted her was that it's it weighted equally with your Hannah Montana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was just making... I don't have Hannah Montana Platinum. That's a, I have that's to a say, myth. you guys have made me take Platinums a lot more seriously. I mean, since I've been here, I've gotten some pretty... Like, Infinite was a pretty good one. Yeah, you per- Infinite. You had... Um, Persona. Yeah, Persona's a tough one. You had Unit 13, which is a really hard one, too. Yeah. Um, Borderlands 2. Let's see. This is an interesting question here. Maverick Terezas Ooh. asks... What does the shutdown of LucasArts mean for the future of Star Wars games? Um, probably not good things. I mean, honestly, I mean, I shouldn't say that. Who knows, right? Like, the idea is that they'll have... They're not developing those games internally anymore. They will license them out. So it means they could... I mean, people keep saying how they want, um, like, like DICE, who does Battlefield, to do, like, a Frostbite 3-based uh, game, like, a War on Hoth. Like, and, and obviously, that would be amazing, but I don't know if that can actually happen. You know, I think it's... Uh, I think you're most likely going to see Disney Interactive handling a lot of, like, movie tie-in games now and stuff like that. I mean, it really sucks because 1313 looked amazing. Like, I was really excited for that game. And the appeal of that game was that it was being done not only by LucasArts internally, but with all of the Lucas properties. So it was, like, going to be Skywalker Sound handling the sound, and Industrial Light and Magic was handling the character modeling. And even if you were to license that out to another studio, even if it was a great studio, they don't have those resources available to them and it can't quite be, it can't live up to the promise of what we saw, which bums me out. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I feel like the Marvel Disney purchase of star Wars has not been going well. I understand that people want these new movies. I think it's a mistake. It seems like, you know, and I don't blame them because Disney paid a lot of money for this, but they're, they're going to beat star Wars into the ground. Yeah. Like it's going to, it's officially going to be destroyed. Um, more than the prequels yeah. already destroyed it, which is hard to believe. That's a concern. I mean, I, I think it's a valid concern, right? I, I think it, it, it feels more than ever. And Star Wars is like this ridiculous merchandise machine. I mean, that, that franchise makes so much money all the time, but it is. It, it feels like now more than ever, the focus is just like, how can we make money? You know? Yeah, and, uh, I mean, that's their business. I mean, that's yeah, what they do, course. but I'm not excited about the future of Star Wars at all. No, me I haven't been in a long time, but I'm definitely. I, I was kind of hoping it was tapering off a little bit, but no, no, the exact opposite yeah. is going to happen. So, steal yourselves. Uh, Jacob Turnbaugh asks, "What games this generation have blown you away?" For me, they are Bioshock, Red Dead Redemption, L.A. Noir, Metal Gear Solid Four, and Bioshock Infinite. It's a game. It's a, it's a question rather that you might have to think about a little bit. But yeah. Are there anything anything off the top of your head? Um, not L.A. Noir. I mean, the, the first part of it, sure. Uh. Red Dead, yes. I mean, Red Dead was kind of an example of... I, and I'm not even the biggest fan of Red Dead, but I mean, I think it's a really good example of what open-world games can be. And I mean, that's the thing, right? For me, this gen, what I've been more impressed about than anything is how games are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like, I can't wait to see the Grand Theft Auto V, how they say it's, like, bigger than all the other GTAs combined. Like, that blows my mind, you know? Like, I can't wait for, like, a really huge open-world game. Um, but as far as, like, experiences where I turned them on was immediately blown away. Like, yeah, Bioshock 1 is definitely one of them. Um... That is a hard one to kind of think about off the top of my head. Um, I'll give you I mean, Uncharted here. 3 was a, was a yeah. huge one. I mean, just like graphically, like Jesus. All the Uncharted's, I think, are, yeah. are good examples. And yep. their time. Uh, they're still all awesome, but I mean, 2007, yep. 2009, 2011, these are, these are, uh, these are fantastic games. Yep. Um, you know, I was blown away by, you know, some strange titles like, uh, I, don't, I don't know, I was kind of blown away by Catherine. Um, sure. I was kind of blown away by Grand Theft Auto 4. Um, yep. and it's not, it's not even like, even like sound shapes when I first yeah. sat down and played sound shapes I was like this is really smart and, and just like a perfect example of what a platformer yeah, can be and honestly for me I know you don't feel the same way but for me the first time I played Little Big Planet like I was like Jesus Christ this is such a smart model yeah Little Big Planet's uh, yeah not my I mean I don't think it's a bad game by any stretch of the imagination but not my kind of game sure um, no interest in that game which is unfortunate I like Sackboy a lot I think he's a funny character <laughs> um, yeah so games like that I think you know the Fallout Fallout games, Fallout 3 in New yeah. Vegas, I think, really blew me away. Um, you know, there were games that were certain, you know, Mass Effect, all yep. three of those games. Dead Space 1. Yeah, the original Dead Space, excellent game. Yep. Two, not so much. Three didn't play. Um, I really love the original Dead Space. Yeah. A lot. Yeah, that's a good That one. is, I mean, I'm not really a survival horror fan. Like, I'm not really into games that, that scare me. Like, I just don't play them that often. Not, not really that I don't like them, but I just don't really take the time to play them. But, uh, man, Dead Space 1 scared the... Jesus out of me. 
Should we go to the next question? Yeah, let's do it. Greg asks, missed mystery Ryle. Mystery Ryle? I don't know. Oh, I get it. He asks, will we get another Call of Duty <clears throat> game for PS Vita? That's kind of the million-dollar question. I mean, I don't... If I was Activision, no. I don't know why they would bother, but hopefully we do. I mean, I think it's a shame because, you know, it could do so well. Like, it... it if they did it right, if it was really transferring back and forth, like imagine if, if it had just been Black Ops 2 on Vita and it had just been multiplayer and you can earn experience that transferred over to PS3, like that is a multi-million dollar idea, but they did it wrong. They they gave it this watered down version of Black Ops 1 with these weird wave-based modes. and Oh, crap. Yeah, and it, it's just a shame because I I doubt that game did well. And so I I don't know. I, who knows? I mean, who knows what well means? I mean, that game yeah. was created on a shoestring budget and no time in like six months yeah. yeah um so it didn't cost much for them to make so um activision's a wily company like they they don't do things that don't make money they, they they shut down studios that are profitable but not profitable enough i mean they did it with the prototype guys yeah um so i think that it's possible that we get another call of duty game i hope that they do it right this time and have like never soft or at least one of their internal studios do it but... exactly make it internally like and that's the thing i think uh the reason I, I feel like it won't happen is because if it does happen, it will require an investment. It will require a gamble because they do need to do it from the ground up internally to make it an experience worth buying. And I, I think Activision is, is smart and savvy enough to understand that no one, it, it, you know, the reason the first one didn't work is because it was a shitty game that was that was done really quickly and it was kind of rushed. And I think um, if they could take the time to make a good game, it, it could sell gangbusters and it could be the thing that kind of like helps the Vita rise in the mainstream a little bit. But man, I just I. I don't know that they would that that you know they have a lot of business sense and I don't know that they would want to put all that time and money into it knowing that they're approaching a very small install base. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a zero sum game for them. I mean, yeah, you can't really blame them. But yeah, so my my answer is maybe. Uh, Max Redman asks uh, for me: chicken cutlets or Islanders? Oh, the Islanders. Andrew, he wants to know: Bioshock or bagels? <laughs> I guess Bioshock. Mm. That's a hard. It's actually a pretty hard choice, though. Yeah, that is. Those are hard questions the hardest question we got so far yeah yeah yeah. uh justin shellhammer asks has microsoft waited too long to talk about the next xbox i think they're getting really close to being you know they have about a month or so yeah we're gonna you know the 20th of this month will be two months since ps4 was announced with no word from the xbox they're they're surrendering mindshare uh by default not even by the strength of the playstation 4 necessarily so what do you think uh well first of all justin if you're related to whitney shellhammer tell her i say hello um, and second, yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally do think they have waited too long at this point, because honestly, like, even if they hadn't announced by now, they, they should have come out with something, get, get people talking about Microsoft. And yes, like, I know I, I wasn't it Jim last week who said, it, or it was somebody I was talking to who said, um, that like, honestly, they don't care because they know that when they announce it will make a big enough impact. But I, I feel like, you know, one of the reasons Sony had trouble this gen is because they were coming off the PS2 and they were too cocky and they made some mistakes and, I don't know. For me, the writing is on the wall right now that Microsoft could be doing the same thing. If they, if no one's talking about them for months and then they come out and they're very focused on Kinect and on this casual friendly stuff, like, I don't know that they'll make the splash they think they're going to make, you know? And right now, Sony is winning over a lot of mindshare. Yeah. I agree. I agree. We'll see. I think they're getting close. They're getting close. But Xbox, yep. you know, it's theirs to lose. Yep. Um, Alex, well, I'm going to try to say this one. Okay. Alex, you want some help? Freuchnicht? Oh. Freuchtennicht. Here, how do, you, how do you think you say that? Yeah, you might be right. Yeah, something like that. He His Twitter account is Makey Kurino. Says, or Maki Kurino. Says, uh, what would be the game at launch to make you buy a PS4 on day one? Well, I'm going to buy a PS4 on day one anyway, Me but too. I think the, uh, the game will be Infamous Second Son, which... Uh, Sucker Punch is pretty much outed as uh, a launch game, uh, but Sony won't confirm. I mean, are we saying of things that have been announced? Or? No, I mean, yeah. not necessarily, but Infamous is definitely the game. For I me. mean, f- for me, it would be Uncharted. Like, if there was an Uncharted game, holy crap. I mean, yeah, I'm buying one day one anyway, but um, of the things announced, yeah, like, I'm I'm actually... I don't know, man. I have I've been very vocal about not being crazy about Killzone, but for whatever reason, the, the Vita one and the, the one they showed... Um, Shadowfall. Shadowfall are kind of exciting to me i don't yeah. know like those games look really different fun. it looked yeah. like the when i played the one on vita uh it was very kill zone like but it's just cool to play kill zone i guess on i'm not crazy about that series but it was yeah. cool to play like a competent shooter for once on the vita uh shadowfall just looks different 
It does. And that's why that's why it's very bright and colorful and it's just a different kind of game. So Yeah, I think um of course Infamous, right? Like that that is the one of, of everything that's announced, that is the one that I'm most interested in on day one. But as far as things that we haven't seen yet, um oh man, do I want to see an next gen God of War just looking incredible? Um and, and Uncharted also. Um or or a new IP from Naughty Dog. Whatever they're doing. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be exciting. They're not gonna they're gonna do another Uncharted, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh Caleb Deshaw asks what are your thoughts on the Vita becoming an indie haven, and how will it look, how will it affect the platform? I think that for people that own it, it's great. Uh, I don't think it moves units. No, I agree with that. I, I don't think it moves units, but I think Sony is very, very, very smart for getting in on the ground floor of, of indie stuff. Like Pub Fund is such a good idea because you know we've had this conversation recently. Like all it takes is finding that one game that becomes the next Minecraft, you know, and, and then it does move units. But but I think honestly, like Microsoft is notoriously hard to to get through all the barriers to publish on their system, and making it easy and attractive for indie devs to publish on on PS3 and Vita is really smart. And I think Sony's going to make friends with a lot of developers who who will prove they're playing long game you know like you always say like i mean i think uh it, it is very smart for them to ingratiate themselves to indie devs now who will become bigger and bigger and will continue to be loyal to the playstation brand yeah i i think uh i think the writing's on the wall for vita in terms of its trajectory being increased now what does that mean i don't know i mean it's all relative the vita's not sold well so it doesn't take much for it to look better um but when i saw i think i might have i don't know if i said this on podcast beyond last week but when i was at gdc and i was at a vita developer panel with developer, i was probably one of the only journalists in the audience Hands shot up at the end when the guy asked, like, who's thinking about developing for a Vita game, like a Vita game, like, all, like almost every, like, I don't want to say almost everyone, like, 75% of the audience was, like, hands rose, because bringing games to the Vita is supposed to be really easy, it's even, it's so easy that a lot of studios are thinking about making their lead platform the Vita, so, and then porting it to iOS and all those other things, and it's just more desirable, because it's easier to make money on the Vita, yeah. it's no saturation there, you can sell many less games, but, uh, many fewer games, but uh, make more money. Because people are able to find your title, there's not an incredible amount of competition. That's what the guys uh, from Drinkbox, the guys that made uh, Tales from Space and are about to release Guacamelee, um, they said the same thing. It's just like it's a no-brainer for them. Like They don't have to sell gangbusters to make money on Vita. I mean, there's that, but it's also, I mean, and, and that's extraordinarily valid. And I, I think obviously making money is is the way they should be thinking. But I feel like it, part of it has to also be that you don't have to water your game down for Vita. I mean, maybe maybe a tiny bit, but I mean, like, there are games that are essentially the same game on PS3 and on Vita, and that is awesome, you know? And I think as a developer, that's probably awesome that, like, like Unity is a scalable engine, and the fact that you can, you know, have it running fully on, have your game running fully on Vita, have it running fully on console is really cool. Yeah, I agree, and and that was another thing that they were they were you know talking about at this panel was that they can make the kind of games they want to play. Yep. Um, I'll say it again, and I'm not ashamed of it. Like, I don't want to play games on a touchscreen. Like, I don't want to play games on a phone. And there's only so far you can go with games like that. Now, are those games very popular? Yes. Are is it valid to like that kind of game? Sure. But I want to play a game with analog sticks. I want to play a game with buttons. Um, and I think that's the way a lot of developers want to make their games in an ideal world. Yep. I think that a lot of developers have gone and touched, you know, to, to iPhone and iPad and all these things. Not because uh, necessarily that that's where they want to make games. It's because that's where it's easy to make games and that's where they can make some money. And it, there's too many barriers to get on these systems. And I think that you're right. Vita is kind of trying to reduce those barriers to get on a console quality gaming, which cannot be mimicked on a touchscreen. Yep. Um, it's, well, it's also something. I mean, like iOS is getting there, but it's also something that like 3DS can't do. You know, like you can, you can like Epic Mickey Two is a great example. Like that game, there, it came to Wii U, and then it came to in, in 360 PS3, and it came to 3DS is a totally different game. Like it was a like a side scrolling, which I believe is actually significantly better than Epic Mickey Two. But um, now the console game, Epic Mickey 2, is coming to Vita, the right. exact game. And, like, there is, you know, for that specific game, maybe not a, not a great one to have in the platform. But the, the point still stands that, like, man, you can bring over a legit game, and that is awesome. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it, you know, there are definitely touch games I like to play. There are definitely touch games I've enjoyed on my iPad. But at the end of the day, like, if I had to choose one or the other, I'm going to go towards, you know, the Vita. I think a lot of core gamers feel that way. Obviously, yeah. most of the market probably doesn't. But that's the other thing they were saying is just that, you know, you can make a great game on iOS, put money into it, but it's just going to get buried. Yep, you know, like, it's there's so just too crowded. many games, and there's just yeah. the Apple. I don't know what it is like on on Android devices, but on Apple, like it's just. I think their 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 game uh, discovery service and shit is awful. 
So. Yeah. Well, it's very crowded. Yeah. Um, I went to a really cool panel at GDC uh, from Sony Bend about uh, how they designed the touch controls for Uncharted on Vita. And it was actually really interesting because they, they understand that no one, you know, wants to use those controls. They understand that, like, the hardcore gamers immediately going to roll their eyes at it. And they talked about how... Um, how how they view those touch controls, how like a certain section of the of the um touch screen, it better be worth it if you're gonna put something there because most people don't want to use it. And how they you know, moving forward, if they made another Uncharted game, they would want to, you know, give the player a choice basically to choose between traditional controls and, and touch. And we're gonna have a little feature going up on that pretty soon. Cool. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Um let's see. Sorry if you hear me sniffing and coughing. I'm getting over a cold myself. That's all right. Derek Lyons asks, now that Bioshock Infinite is out, what is the best gaming trilogy from this generation? Well, I mean, that's, this doesn't really count because Bioshock 2 is two camera in and it's a whole separate thing. I don't think it really counts as a trilogy. Um, but I mean, in my eyes, it's Mass Effect. And I mean, I wasn't even crazy wild about Mass Effect 3, but or I mean, or Uncharted, um, I think is a, is another one. That's That's definitely way up there. But I mean, man, like... I do have to say, you know, Uncharted has incredible storytelling, but there is some awesome value in the fact that I, you know, I played that, the final Citadel DLC for Mass Effect 3 pretty recently. That's like the final piece of DLC where I will ever be using my Shepard, you know, and I I think it's really cool that that is the exact same character that I sat down and made in my apartment my senior year of college, and it has carried me through all the way until now in DLC that came out in 2013. Like, I think that is really cool and very unique to, to gaming, like, uh, or, or for gaming like I, I don't think there's any other franchise that, that has done that at least not for that length of time and that's really really cool and, and can't be understated yeah uh yeah mass effect's a great choice uncharted is a great choice i would say resistance as well my personal opinion i know a lot of people don't agree with that i think that's probably it for trilogies uh, yeah i mean there aren't that many i mean it's like like god of war yeah but i, I don't I mean, know like th- those games didn't come out this generation though so uh, yeah that's two true of them didn't. yeah one and two are ps2 that's true um roger asks what video game companies need to get their shit together Square Enix. I, yeah, he says, I know Square does. Yeah, I think Square is definitely the, the prime culprit. And it's funny because, uh, like, a week ago or two weeks ago, Ryan McCaffrey wrote an editorial about how LucasArts did. And, um, you know, it's kind of a, it, it's sad today. A lot of people lost their jobs, and that, that sucks. And, and not only that, but I, I think we're not, not going to see some great games that they were making. But at the same time, that was a studio that, you know, they announced that Indiana Jones game at E3 2006, and it looked awesome, and it never came out. And, the, you know, they announced 1313, and then it was supposedly on hold, and, like, they would announce these projects and then we would just never see them. And, and you know, Battlefront 3 never came. You know, we heard so many times that was in development. Um, it, it's hard. I, I think it's hard for studios right now to get things out the door. Um, so they were one. Square Enix is, is definitely one. Jesus, I don't know what they're doing. Um, man, I don't know. I mean, we were just talking about Tecmo Koei. Like, they need something. They need to stop resting on the laurels of their franchises and do something new and take a risk on it because I think they, they need to get their... Like, I, am I forgetting a, a franchise that they have? Not not one that's really super relevant here. Yeah. Yeah. They have what Ninja Gaiden. Yeah. Some other stuff. Uh, I I think um you know I'm really startled by how poorly the Wii U is doing, and so I want to say yeah, I want to say Nintendo. <laughs> um, now Nintendo should never be counted out. They know what they're doing. I think. Well, also at least 3DS the, is doing. Yeah, really and well. that's what I was saying. The handheld space, I think they're totally fine. But yeah, you know they still have a Pokemon game coming out and all that stuff. I think they're yeah. they're totally fine. The Wii U is really tanking. And I, yeah. I don't think it can be understated. You know, there's a lot of, you know, mixed messages out there, I think, with gamers about how well or poorly the Wii U is doing. It's doing really bad. Um, some people were saying, like, it's so, it's so, it was up 125% in the UK week over week or something like that. But when you're only selling 5,000 units a week, it's really not that impressive that you sold 12,000 the next week. Well, and that's uh, what's so crazy is, like, this E3 more than ever. It's like, I'm so excited for this E3 because it is going to test the the power of Nintendo's franchises more than ever because you're going to have a new console from Sony with some game announcements. You're going to have a new console from Microsoft with some game announcements. And then you have Nintendo. And the Wii U is not doing super well, but we know 100% they have publicly confirmed that we are going to see a new Mario game, a new Mario Kart game, a new Zelda, and a new Smash Brothers. Those will all be at E3. And so it's like, that is all of their biggest guns. And it's going to be really interesting seeing, is that enough? I mean, I'm going to say, yes, it probably is, but who knows? I don't know. I, um, I'd like to see Nintendo do better. I think it's important that they coexist with these companies and at least challenge them in some ways. Um, but with all the rumors about, first of all, their total lack of third-party support, third parties have really want nothing to do with Nintendo, yeah. um, which is, you know, a lot of people think that's Nintendo's own doing for not fostering those relationships. Probably true. Um, a lot of people think that Smash Brothers and Mario Kart and all these games are going to be system sellers, but they were not system sellers for the GameCube. 
So we're looking at something, and they weren't system sellers for the N64 either. Sure. So um, I think that you know, you know, this when Smash Brothers and Mario Kart came to you know N64, it was its own thing, and and Nintendo fans did it. it probably sold some units, no doubt. Uh, and when it came to GameCube, I mean, GameCube lost very, very badly that generation. It was I loved the GameCube. Um, still my favorite controller of all time. Uh, loved the games on there, Mario Mario Golf, especially on GameCube. I, I adored. But those games didn't do anything for that unit. I really am wondering now, is we an anomaly where uh, the system was already out there, people were looking for games to buy, and so these games sold really well? Um, or will people buy Wii U to play Mario Kart again? Will they play, you know, buy it to play Smash Brothers again? I don't think so. I mean, I, I, just, I just don't know. You know, it's, yeah. it's it, like the trajectory, it's sad. As an old-school Nintendo fan who grew up, and I'm in, I'm in this industry because of my love of Nintendo, really. Um to see them like stumble like this is just incredible. There are no games coming out for the system. Um, Pikmin is like the next game that's supposed to come out. And that might be coming out this summer, like of any consequence. Um, so it's sad to see that happen. So I think they need to, at least on the console side, they need to get their shit together. Of course, the 3DS yeah. prints money, so who cares? Yep. And even this fall, the the only game I think they've confirmed for Wii U is the Wind Waker HD remake, which is like. <laughs> and why? Uh, I like Wind Waker, but. No, no, I love Wind Waker, but it's just like I would much rather have something new. Uh, Josh asks McQuack306 asks beyond this month's PS Plus ads Demon Souls are any of you going to try for a platinum on this free game no Oof. I'm done with that game I'm not going to try for a platinum I really do I have I've really uh, Demon Souls I think I've tried a little bit Dark Souls I've never played like I, I feel like I should probably sit down and, and try those games just to be able to talk about them especially with Dark Souls 2 coming yeah I, I just don't care I mean personally I know people love that game more power to you not now, my thing is it true? I don't even know if you know the answer to this. Is it true that Sony owns the name Demon Souls? Yes, they own it. SCJ so, published that game. So Dark Souls was a weird workaround in order to go multi-platform. Right. Yeah, Demon Souls is owned by Sony. Could we ever see a Demon Souls two then? Yeah, I mean the the conjecture when what was it Soul Sacrifice was revealed, but we didn't the know people thought it was, that, it was yeah. that. Yeah, but it wouldn't be from software. It would be. It could be. I mean, Sony funded that game. And published it there and didn't think anyone else wanted it. So Atlas published it in the States and it ended up being a hit. I'm That's sure really... somebody regrets that. Man, I, I just knew none of that. That's so interesting. Yeah, SEJ was the publisher of that game. Um, which is Sony Computer Entertainment Japan, yep. in case our listeners don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Beyond, oh, Daniel Maffei asked, Beyond. Beyond. Hey, Garfip, I feel like nobody ever talks about Bioshock 2. Is it worth a play before Infinite? I mean, Bioshock 2 is not made by Rational. It's, um, you know, Ken Levine had nothing to do with that game. That That's not from the creative minds behind Infinite, or behind Bioshock 1 uh, well, and Infinite. Um, it is a totally competent game. Don't get me wrong. There, there's, that game is not bad, and I think it's it's interesting. It, it Like I said, mechanically is better than Bioshock 1. I think they they, they fixed hacking. They, they fixed all the stuff that kind of didn't work uh, in terms of combat in Bioshock 1. But I don't know. I just... It felt very gamey to me. It was like, you loved the big daddies. Well, now you are one. And they're big sisters. And there's multiplayer. Like, it just felt like they took all the elements of Bioshock that were special and turned them into this, a game. You know? And it just... It isn't... The story's fine. I think it's interesting. Um, Minerva's Den, the DLC that, that came for it, which is totally standalone, I think is probably the, the best standalone Rapture story that there is. So I, I think there's value there. But uh, the core game of Bioshock 2, I don't know. I, I honestly know. I, I don't think it's, it's worth going back to before Infinite. Okay. Um, that's just my opinion there are people who love that game there are people who like it better in Bioshock 1 I never beat it but um, I just don't find it that captivating from a story perspective uh, Alex Katani asks what game of 2013 surprised you the most so far oh man um, I'm trying to think what, I, what I've played so far this year I mean it's, it's funny because I've just been playing catch up for so long like I started this year with Far Cry which was released in 2012 um I don't know. Do you have one? I can't talk much about it yet. Our review goes up next week, but Guacamelee. Oh, interesting. Um, is the game that surprised me, I think, most. Nino Kuni, too. Nino Kuni was even better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, but, but we all knew that was going to be yeah, good. Yeah, we knew it was going to yeah. be good, but I didn't know it was going to be that <laughs> good. Uh, and, uh, yeah, Guacamelee, man. All I'm going to say about Guacamelee is you're going to keep an eye on that game. No I, doubt about it. I guess I have to say Tomb Raider. Um, because I was the only person who was really skeptical about that game when we saw footage and stuff, and I actually did really enjoy it. I, I have some big problems with it, but I, I, I did like it more than I thought I would. Um, but man, it's like it, it's sad to say I have not played that many games so far this year from this year. Like I'm, I'm mostly playing yeah, catch up still. Yeah, I hear you. I feel the same way. Yeah, I'll say Guacamelee. I'll leave it there for now. Sure. 
Uh, Jesse, GhostNapper4, who I think is on my friends list on PSN, uh, says, what are the chances of a second PlayStation All-Stars? I would say pretty low, unfortunately. Um, I think... uh... I would say pre-release, I, I am sure that was the plan. I'm sure they were already having conversations about the sequel, but based on its performance and based on kind of the demise of Superbot, I mean, technically we could see it come from Santa Monica. Um, I don't know, though. I, I think you're more likely to see every once in a while continued support for the current game, um, maybe some new characters a few months from now or something. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, I feel like probably not very likely. Yeah, I think there's a moderate chance that we see one on PS4. Sure. Um, they might try again. Yeah, I think my, I think my inkling before Superbot was removed from PlayStation All Stars. They're still alive, by the way, um, but they're just not associated with Sony anymore. Sure. Um, my take was that they were definitely going to make a PS4 game, and that they were already that they were already working on, and and Sony was kind of giving them a test bed to try the game out first. Um, and you know, I've been told that the game uh, has sold better than I think people think it's think it has sold. Um, I don't know what Sony's expectations for were for the game. Uh, Sony's expectations for sequels seems to vary greatly. Uh, I think Sly Cooper probably sold well enough to get a sequel. Um, yeah. Uh, but you know, maybe there, this game just took cost more money or whatever. Um, but you know, the end of Sly Cooper teases a sequel too. We don't we don't have anything like that with with uh, you know All Stars. But if I were a betting man at that time. Uh, I would have been like, absolutely, they are already yeah. making it. Um, and they just and weren't given the chance. Yeah. That game lacked presentational quality, which was, a, and not graphical quality, because I think the graphics were actually pretty. Stage, especially Columbia and a few other stages, were awesome. But the game was just sterile um, in terms of yeah. its cutscenes, its menus, and all those things. That's the kind of stuff they could have increased. They could have made, you know, I think, they, I think Superbot got a lot of shit from people that don't quite understand how the industry works in the sense that they don't own some of these characters that they wanted. And I'm sure they did their best. Um, and I can guarantee you that conversations happened for them to try to get Crash Bandicoot and Spyro. They're not stupid. Right. You know, they don't own them. I'm sure and, they and, wanted Cloud. They yeah. want all the characters that you have said you want to see in this game. Exactly. They're not idiots. They get it. They they probably want to see them even more than you did because I'm sure they would have loved to work with those characters. Right. But, you know, there, there are legal roadblocks that can prevent some of that stuff from happening. Yeah. And I think that, you know, some studios want to see what happens first with the game. I don't, you yeah. know, giving a, a character like Cloud or Crash Bandicoot is a big deal if the game sucks. And I yep. don't think that, you know, some studios trusted them. Obviously, Capcom did. Other, you know, uh, 2K did. Other other developers and publishers didn't. And so I think that Superbot made a really good game. Um, and I think a great game, actually, in many ways. And I think it was a novel game. I think that it wasn't a Smash Brothers ripoff in the way that a lot of people thought it was. And people that gave the game a chance, I think, really enjoyed it. And, it, and there just wasn't enough of an audience there. You got to make money. Um, this game was in development for a long time. We knew about Title Fight, the code name of it, for a long time. <laughs> yep. Um, and it's just the way it goes. I think it's really unfortunate. I think those guys were really talented. They put it, but they put the team together specifically to make that game, and it didn't sell. And so, that's what happens. I think um, two things. Number one, as far as sales, um, and and I would love to be wrong. Please p- prove me wrong. I there's no way that game even sold a million copies across both platforms. I would be amazed if it sold a million copies. Uh, number two is that I think if we do see a sequel, it will not look like this game. I think they'll go for like a 3D style. Totally, they'll they'll maintain the PlayStation All Stars name, but I think if you ever see a sequel to this, it will not look like Smash Brothers anymore. It will not look like this game looked. I think they would mm. go for like a what we all thought when we first saw that Sweet Tooth model for when, when title fight yeah, leaked. Like I think it'll be fight. yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I think uh, yeah, that's what I thought when we saw Sweet Tooth. I was like, oh, yeah. this is definitely like like Mortal like, Kombat, yeah, like yeah, yeah, or yeah. something like that. But what? Yeah. Uh, all right, let's let's wind it down. A few more questions, Goldfarb, if you're if yeah. you're ready. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Merrick asks, is there a game you guys absolutely love that you know isn't very good? There are a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel that way about Naughty Bear. Yeah. I, the game that came to mind for me, though, is Singularity. Now, I know Singularity is not this epic, awesome shooter. I really love that game. Uh, I, it's a good game. Uh, so that, that's the game that came to mind for me. What sure. I mean, I, I have some guilty pleasures. Obviously, I put like 100 hours into Final Fantasy thirteen too, knowing knowing full well that objectively that's not a great game. Um, yeah, there are a lot. I mean, there, there's a lot of times where I just find myself spending time with a game that I really didn't need to go as deep into as I was, but, uh, I don't know. Specific examples are hard, right? Cause there's so many games that are, that are good, but at this point it's like, I, I always feel like I'm so pressed for time that I want to be spending my time with only the best games, you know? And so like, I spent a lot of time playing, uh, I, I think you spent even more than I did, but I spent a lot of time playing, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Declassified yeah, I for trophies. I was trying to get the platinum. I just, yeah. it's a, it's... 
it beats it out of you though after a while. Yeah, you can't do it. Couldn't do it. And one yeah. of the trophies was not unlocking that I was clearly getting. And that's where I was like, fuck this. Yeah, I know yeah. you had that problem with Plants vs. Zombies. Yeah. Um, Tyler Campbell asks uh, Final Fantasy versus 13 possibly being renamed to Final Fantasy 15. I think that that's absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe tech-wise, I, I just feel like Final Fantasy versus 13, whatever it was, like, six years ago or whatever, like, just doesn't exist at this point. I'm sure that team is now working on Final Fantasy 15, but, and maybe as a good PR move, they'll say that it became Final Fantasy 15, but I feel like Final Fantasy versus 13, whatever it was envisioned as, is no longer a thing. Agreed. Final question. Okay. Matt Van Boyen asks, where is the strangest place someone has yelled beyond at you? <laughs> Uh, the airport, uh, when I was traveling to Boston, it was me and Sean Finnegan were sitting there and a, a fan came up and, and yelled beyond and I turned around and I was, it was, cause that was the first time that has ever happened to me ever. And so it was really weird. Uh, I, I, I met him. He was a nice guy. Cool. Uh, yeah, I've, I've had beyond, uh, recognition, uh, you know, uh, things uh, happen many places. The most recent one that I thought was weird was a couple weeks ago. I went to the liquor store in the hate to get some bourbon and I was walking back to my friend Nate's house. We play poker every few weeks. Um, and some dude was at the bus stop and yelled beyond. Uh, and I was like, with his girlfriend uh, or his wife, whoever. And I was like, and I shook his hand, talked to him for just a minute. Um, I thought that was funny just because I'm like, I told him, like, I've never, no one's ever yelled beyond me in the hate before. That's so so awesome. that's, uh, and the hate, of course, is like the a neighborhood in San Francisco that's uh, quite uh, uh, counterculture. Eccentric, we'll say. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's I. H-A-I-G-H-T, not, right. not H-A-T-E. I remember, uh, I wasn't there, but during Judges Week last year, uh, Greg and Mitch were coming out of an IHOP, and apparently some guy drove by and yelled beyond. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, uh, that's all we have for Fireside Chats 4. I hope you enjoyed it. Did you have your have fun on it, Goldfarb? I did. I, I hope you did, too. I did. And again, this was in memory, loving memory of Ryan Clements. Uh, you can find him on uh, on Twitter still at Plum Cider. He's, he's verified now. He's, he is. He's, he's verified. A, he's a celebrity. Yeah, good, good for him. Good for Probably him. Probably makes Greg so mad. <laughs> Greg's not verified. Uh, you can, of course, follow our ill uh, compatriots, uh, Greg, uh, at a Game Over Greg on Twitter. Follow Goldfarb at Garfep, G-A-R-F-E-P. Follow me at No Taxation. Email us at our usual address at beyond at IGN.com. Keep it tuned in IGN for all of your video game needs. Uh, you can, of course, find me in particular on IGN, PS3, PS4, and Vita. Goldfarb is right in the news and all these things. We're not going to do a song today because that's not how we end Fireside Chats. We're just going to end it with a quick Beyond. So, Goldfarb, a Beyond to you. Beyond to you. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics. And sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.